Did you know Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to increase the size of almost all your orders? Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks, no coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, or Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrades, cross-sales, or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you could boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Now, hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you could do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. There's, there's a lot of naysaying going on in the news. You know, I can't open CNN, whatever site, wherever you get your news, and not see a negative headline. And so sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between, all right, what are things I need to actually worry about? And what are things that are just headlines seeking clicks, right? Just as money seeks return on investment, so too do news headlines seek engagement? It's just something, it, it's hard to know. And so I, I think it's helpful to talk to people who, who've been there, done that, who have experience, and with experience could use that lens to determine, all right, what are things I actually need to worry about right now? And so today in the show, we've brought someone who has been there, done that. Someone uh, who I met at uh, Blue Ribbon Mastermind, Ezra's event in Miami Beach, where he was a speaker and who has owned and scaled a business, an e-com business that ended up in 250 retail stores and has since gone on uh, to run a, a digital agency that manages uh, huge seven-figure budgets and has produced, what, a quarter million, or a quarter billion in revenue for clients. I'm joined today by Jason Portnoy, who is going to talk us through uh, from... Over 10 years of experience, he's going to talk us through what he sees as today's challenges and what he thinks we should do about them. This is the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech nasty. And I am joined by Jason Portnoy of JPort Media. Jason, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And, and I want to package up that intro and I'm going to send it to my mother because she has no clue what I do for a living. Like she's, she still thinks like <laughs> I, I'm in computers or something like that. And I fix. So I want to send that intro to her because I think I think that it's a, it's a nice intro. Thank you. I appreciate it. But will you still fix her printer when she asks? <laughs> yes. Yes. By by unplugging and plugging it back in. That, that, yeah. I've trained my kids. They're always like. Anything goes wrong, they're like, uh, is the Wi-Fi on? Uh, can you help? I'm like, all right, step one, whatever it is, just turn it off and back on. Yeah. And they've, five years of this, they now will, they're like, all right, something's wrong. I already turned it back on and off. And like, that fixes 50% of things. And, and it's like, and it's like wizardry to them when you do it. Oh, but I've tried everything and you do it like, wow. 
Yeah, yeah. You can turn it off and back on. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> Did you reset the router? That's, that's always step one when you call the yeah. cable company. Yeah. Uh, okay. So when did you get into e-commerce? So I started a clothing brand uh, probably around 2009. Um, e-commerce to me wasn't even a thing. I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, before that, I had I, I graduated university, was supposed to go to law school, hated school, decided not to go. Um, worked a job, uh, a couple of jobs, absolutely hated every moment of, of having a job. And I decided I was going to start a clothing brand and I started a clothing brand and I thought, yeah, that's easy. Um, I should just go start a clothing <laughs> brand, right? Like, uh, no clue yeah, what I was doing. Sometimes it's helpful to not know what you're about to get yourself into. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. And I was just, I loved, I loved, even when I was in school, the, the electives I took in, in, in school were all marketing and, and business related. And, and, and I loved that area of it. And I remember when I started, I was just so naive. Like I, I went to go build a site and uh and I, I wanted a website so someone introduced me to someone it was like fourteen thousand dollars to build a joomla website and joomla. yeah joomla, and I, I remember people telling me around the same time probably 2009 that like joomla was gonna kill wordpress oh uh, well man. well well and and the best part about it was it was almost impossible for me to upload any new product so i had to keep that web development firm like on a retainer and i had no money because i haven't sold one thing yet just a bunch of ideas with ugly ass designs like just just didn't know what i was doing and um slowly started building that up by just sitting there saying you know, i would see a celebrity talk about a shirt and they said where did i get this where, where can i get this shirt and i'm like we make it we never made it. We just made the design and, and, and knocked it off. And, and, and that's kind of like the hustle that I started <laughs> uh, learning it. I'm like, they're like, like, I think, I think one of the first ones we saw, we saw, um, we saw someone put put out a brand that said like, uh, put out a shirt that said stop wars that looked like star Wars. And a couple of celebrities on Twitter at the time were saying, where do I get this shirt? And I'm like, I'm like messing my design, make that shirt, make the template of it, like make a mock-up of it. And we put it on the website. I'm like, we saw this shirt too. Um, so yeah, it's totally unethical, not the right way to grow a business. Please don't, please don't listen. Please don't stop the podcast here. And this is what you take from the podcast. And then around 2011, um, Harley from Shopify, Harley Finkelstein, Shopify president, fellow Canadian. I know his wife through, through different communities. Someone told me he started this thing called Shopify. I should look into it. And this this thing, Shopify. So I moved my site, my $14,000 site onto a $400 Shopify store development which was crazy cool because now i had access i could i could do my own stuff uh, everything like that so i spent uh four hundred dollars to build that site 2011 um got my confirmation welcome to shopify uh it wasn't until 2012 till i actually did anything about it and started moving it online and that's when i started really understanding business a lot more getting it on celebrities getting it on athletes really buckling down but but at the time really trying to use wholesale and retail to cover my inventory so that anything I sold online was gravy. So now I started to understand margins. I started to understand the game a little bit more. The problem was I was I was in a cadence and and, and the brand was was growing. I hated every second of being part of this brand. Hated oh, every second of the clothing business. Completely like out of love with it. And through the success that 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 I got through it, I started getting a lot of consulting offers. People sitting there saying, "Hey, can you help us with our brand? Can you help us with this?" Facebook ads was just was just was just starting, and uh, I met the head of team. Well, now he's the president of V Friends, but at the time he worked for Gary Vaynerchuk, and he messaged me. He's like, "Hey, you know, Gary's bullish on this thing called Facebook ads. You should try it." I tried it. It was a beautiful time where you could literally scrape 
people and just the, the wild west of Facebook ads um, and, and do that. I wish I could go back there and, and, and with the knowledge I have now of years of, 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 of online marketing and, and doing it again. But I was so, so I call it burnt out, but it was just frustrated of just like hated every aspect of it. But I love talking to marketing and building brands and I love helping the other people. And it was my wife who who was like, hey, look, you know, we're married and we're going to start a family soon. Um, you can't be miserable. Uh, so figure out what you want to do. You know, I ask you about the clothing business. You get all upset. I ask you about, you know, marketing question or someone asks you a marketing question and you're, and you're out for a three hour lunch with them. So uh, figure it out. And I was like, cool, I'm going to help people run Facebook ads because that's what I'm spending all my time on. Was that was that decision, was that inflection point obvious to you at the time or was it obvious after your wife made it obvious by holding up the mirror? I knew I was unhappy. I just didn't know there was an alternative because I was because we haven't had a down year. Right. So every year was going up. It wasn't like we were like going up like like to a hundred million, 500 million, the numbers weren't there, but, but like there was no down year. So I always felt like, man, I'm going to be like tied to this. And I saw where retail was going and most of our money was coming from retail and we were starting to get nickel and dimed on everything. I'm like, I'm like, man, and, and Damon John running it in my head again, over and over that brands have like five years of being really hot, like clothing brands. And this is at the time, right? Like we're, we're at, it's different now. The whole landscape's different now, but clothing brands have five years of being really hot. And like, what am I going to do? What, what happens when this all goes sideways? What happens when this all goes down? So I was, I was miserable, but I felt, I was, I felt trapped. I felt stuck in, I felt stuck in my business and I didn't know how to tell people I was, I was walking, I was, I was like leaving. And I, I was worried what they were going to say. I was worried people are going to say, oh, he failed and, and how to handle that. I was worried what my parents were going to say. I was worried about so many different things. So I ended up writing this really like blog article called, you know, why I'm leaving true rivalry. And I put it out right when I was about to go off the grid so that anyone who saw it, right, couldn't message me like I was I was off. But at the time, at the time, I mean, there was there was I, I, I wanted nothing to do with that business. So th this was your first entrepreneurial effort. And then. It's successful, and it's you became a victim of your own success. And without ex without having been through that before, it, it's hard to It's both hard to recognize it, accept it, and then know what to do about it. And so, you said, "All right, I'm leaving this." So, how'd you get out of it? Like you, yeah, you committed to it, and maybe you quit. I don't know. I, I, I think I got to side with your wife on this one. Um, I think you're being too hard on yourself, but then. So what did you do? I mean, you can't just say, all right, I'm done. Honestly, I was, I was so out of it and, and it's hard for people to understand that, but I was just so unhappy. Like, and, and one of the lines in that blog article that I wrote, and I still remember it is, is happiness is the most important thing. It's, it's, it's what matters the most. And, and, and I kept being, I kept being reminded of people who work their jobs their whole life and being miserable. And, and I was like, that's going to be me. And, and, and I, I, I didn't want it and I knew we were we were we were eventually going to start a family and I and I wanted I wanted you know I, I, there's there's one thing about you being happy and there's another thing about you potentially being a role model for for your kids and and and, and showing them what to do and and making tough decisions and and doing all that so a lot of that weighed in my mind but maybe you know a lot of stupidity like cool I'll, I'll just go start something else and, and make that work right like because why not right and and so I was, I was very, very lucky because when I, when I landed in the Facebook ads world, it was early enough and I ran an ad to get my first client. And I know that sounds really 
cliched right now because everyone runs ads to get clients. But at the time, no one was really doing it. And the reason why I did it was the biggest objection I kept getting when I was talking to clients, the biggest objection I kept getting was, how do I know these Facebook ads things work? And I couldn't tell them like, hey, well, we tried it on our brand. And this is how early we're talking about, right? People were literally sitting- They're, they're skeptical still, of it. This was still, before yeah, big brands would touch it. Exactly. They're still in the SEO world, right? And they're still like trying to figure that, like the, their dinosaurs there. And they were like, how do I know this Facebook ads thing work? And I'd be like, well, how do we get on this call? And they'd be like, I clicked on your, uh, <laughs> and that, that was my, hey, I know what I'm doing because I'm able to get you on, on the call. And our first client, my first client are, like it was me, my first client at the time um, was doing $2,500 a month in sales, a clothing brand. So something I knew really well, it just worked. And they were working out of the, out of the basement of their mom and, and uh, of their mom and pop, like out of, out of their house. And in under a year, in around 11 months, I believe we scaled them to uh, $300,000 a month in sales from $2,500 a month at, at a, at a, 3x plus ROI. I mean, so I'm lucky because if, if my first client would have been a disaster, I don't know where I'd be. I'd probably be like, okay, well, this doesn't work. I'm done. And and maybe would have quit. But the, that first client was, you know, kind of my, my entrance into this world and, and gave me the lighthouse. Uh, it became a lighthouse for me and kind of showed me the way. Yeah. Well, and someone has to take a, take a chance on you first. And in this case, uh, you know, it was an apparel brand, something where you had a lot of experience. And so it, beneficial for both of you, for your confidence um, and for their ad account. What's different now between, because you've got over a decade of experience here, what's different today versus Facebook ads years ago? How has the landscape changed? So, I mean, the landscape across the board has changed, right? Organic was, was, was like huge. Like we literally put out a post, like I, like for, for my own business, I could put out a post with a picture of the product and say, share and like for a chance to win and literally boost that post for, for lack of better words. And, or that's probably the only option you had back then was boosting the post. There was no ROAS even, and you would get like literally 5,000 organic likes and shares and, and then sales would go up and you'd be like, okay, sales have gone up. Now I think, you know, ROAS became a metric and then everyone became focused on that. And it used to be like before that happened, it would just be like, oh man, I'm running these ads and my sales are going up. It must be the ads, right? And just, and just associate it and, and kind of do that, which now people are starting to go back to with like MER. But I mean, the landscape kind of changed a little bit with like one, one is, you know, all this tracking loss of signals, platform performance, you have rising costs of advertising, you have big players and small players coming in. Um, but I, I think the, the biggest change has been people still playing the old, the old game with the new rules and, or, or I guess, I guess the, the, the new game with the old rules, however you want to phrase it. Uh, I think, I think that's the biggest change people make is I think the last five years, before iOS and before all that, I have breeded probably the laziest group of marketers and the laziest group of business owners uh, I've ever come across. Uh, and, 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 that's a, and that's the truth. Or the last few years especially, where it was just, it was easy to get results. It was easy to do things. You didn't have to be a marketer. My skills was never in the fact that I was such a good technical media buyer. My skills were really in, I understood marketing. And if you understand that, if you understand how to craft an offer, if you understand how to do all those things, um, 
then the the media buying is is the easy part to be honest with you uh but i think i think the whole landscape completely completely changed uh especially now compared to where it was three months ago forget going back to when i ran ads like that's a dinosaur like that's that's completely different the landscape changed from there to like two years later the landscape changed but going just based off the last couple of years before ios to now um you know we are seeing we are seeing you know a lot of a lot of people struggling a lot of different agencies have popped up a lot of like when i went to school to study marketing it was data entry when i wanted to go get a job as a marketer and i had no marketing experience it was like cool do you know how to use excel and i'm like what does that have to do with advertising i was so <laughs> stupid i was like like that's not advertising um, and now I think just anyone saw the wave, saw the gold rush, and they then became Facebook advertisers and an agency. And now they're TikTok agencies. And now they're this. And now they're that. And tomorrow they're going to be this. And for three months, you know, a year ago, they were crypto uh, experts. And and like it's that's that's the landscape we're in right now. That's that's kind of hard. And if you're a brand, there's so much noise out there. What's something you just can't live without? For this Shopify merchant, it's Zipify one-click upsell. $10 of extra revenue on every single order, 30% increase for us in average order value. You can't live without it as a Shopify store owner. What would be a game changer for your business? For this merchant, it's a simple Shopify app. Zipify one-click upsell. It's definitely a game changer. It's adding about $9 in extra revenue for every customer that we bring in. That's right. Our number one app that we've been using to help transform our business overall has been... Hey, oh, were you listening to that? You really want to hear about this life-changing Shopify app? Here it is. One-click upsell. It's going to help you increase your average order value a lot and increase your profit from your hard work. Zipify one-click upsell can increase your Shopify revenue by 10 to 15% overnight. Created by the owner of a $155 million brand and trusted by over 11,000 Shopify merchants, one-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. It is no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $316 million in sales. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. So two things. One, you think um, the pre the past of the past hyper efficiency of Facebook as an ad platform as it was growing created um, complacency because it was like shooting fish in a barrel. Yep. And then it gets harder and people are like, oh no, it's not super easy anymore. And then it, but not, really not only it got harder, but then the response was it doesn't work. Ah, and when really they should have been going back to first principles, looking at okay, what it, what are we marketing here? Who like go back to the the really traditional stuff and reevaluate. Um, yeah, when, and then, when, when, whenever anything gets tough, right? Like, uh, like I, I, Jeff Bezos said this perfectly. He said, I get asked all the time, what's going to change? What's going to change? Tell us what's going to change. What's going to change? And I feel like that's the world we're living right now in the online marketing space. Everyone's like, what's going to be next? What's going to be next? How do I jump chasing on the trends. How do I jump on the TikTok versus Bezos said, but the real question business owners should be asking is what's not going to change? And there are still marketing fundamentals and principles that will never change. Like I could give 
a talk on how to build a brand that I think minus a couple of nuances and, and tweaks could have worked five years ago and could work five years in the future from now. Just minus because because I'm not into the the hacks and the and 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 that I'm I'm into the foundations and the principles and those principles existed like David Ogilvy, you think he would be complaining about iOS issues writing an ad right now? He'd be like, "What do you mean? I could get this in front of like millions of people, and it would cost me what like twenty bucks to for to get in front of a thousand people." The guy was stuffing mailing envelopes or putting it in magazines and not being able to track it like it and so. Like that's where I think, you know, the the complacency and the laziness has come in. Going back to fundamentals, mm. you have in your head, I know you have an SOP for this is the the rough approach to scaling a brand online. Give me the overview of the, the what, what's the Jason Portnoy method here? The Jason Portnoy method or, or the market domination method was what I call it, but it's it's literally there's five levers of, of a business, right? Jay Abraham said there's only three ways to grow a business, and that's one, get more customers, two, increase your prices, or th and three, get them to buy more often, right? Those are the only three ways to grow a business. Any way that you could think of falls into one of those three ways. I like to look at it from, from a business. You have different levers that you could pull, and you have awareness, right? So how many people are finding out about you. And that could be your impressions. That could be how many people are seeing your ads. If you're doing trade shows, how many people are you getting in front of? There's so many different ways to judge awareness. How many people you get in front of? Then you have lead gen. What percentage of those people are you from are raising their hand and saying, I'm interested in what you have to say. And then three, you have conversion. Of the percentage of people that raised their hand and said they're interested, how many are actually converters and are actually gonna buy from you? Then three is you have, then four is you have your AOV or your price. How much are they actually spending with you? And then five, you have your buying frequency. How many times are they buying from you? Those are the five levers of a business. And it's very easy to look at your business and sit there and, and map it out and look at it and be like, okay, well, what if I pull this lever a little bit more? What does it do? And I think the biggest problem is most businesses sit there and say, I'm going to go all in. I want to go all in on one thing. And that never works. Or they make the other mistake of like, I want to go all in on everything. And that, and that, and that doesn't work when instead you know, you just have to get incrementally better. Like compound interest is a real thing in finance. Why don't we apply it to business? It's a real thing in finance. Like Warren Buffett talks about it. Albert Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world. Why aren't we talking about this from running our own business of like, why do we have to go for that get rich quick? What if we just pull, you know, if we doubled every area of the, of those five levers, let's say we could double everything. And I know that's hard. You can't really just double your price and you can't double your area, but hypothetically we doubled, you don't double your business. You 32 X your business. That's the power of compounding, right? If you, if you take all that and, and you compound every single one of those levers, you actually, you actually and do the math, right? You, you, I, I just walked you through what it is. You'll 32 X it. If you get 10% better in each one of those levers, you almost double your business. Can you get 10% better? Sure. Maybe you can't get 10% better in price. You're stuck. That's your price. But can you get 20% better in everything else that will in, in something else? Can you increase your conversion rate? How many times we run ads for clients who have like a 0.8% conversion rate on their site and then they're like, ads aren't working. <laughs> I'm like, ads aren't working. Like there's things in your control versus out of your control. And I think that's what I mean by we breeded the laziest group of business owners and marketers because they don't want to work on the things that they could actually are in the control. They just want to they they just want to throw it out there. And we get this all the time in our agency of people sitting there saying, hey, I don't know anything about online advertising. That's why I want to hire you guys. 
like, I don't want to touch this. I don't want to know anything about it. I just want you guys to go do it. I'm like, no, because that's such a dangerous place to be. And that's how you get people. The agencies who say yes to that is what causes the I hate agencies and I've been burnt before and why this whole digital marketing space is is I hate this space. Like I like there's a reason why marketers rank lower in trust than politicians. And it's because of a lot of those things. But going back to the point, five key areas of a business and you just have to get incrementally better. And and if you map out your business on them, you'll realize which lever you need to pull at the right time. So the mistake people are making, the mistake you're seeing is people saying, I want my success, but not enough to put in the work myself. Instead, I'm going to throw money at the problem. That's definitely one mistake people make. Uh, and, and, and marketing and paid media is really good. Paid media is an accelerant. It's not, it's not the spark, right? It's, 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 you know, it's gasoline on the fire, but you kind of have to have that spark there. You kind of have to have that fire. And I think people look at it as a, as a Hail Mary approach and, 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 and throw dollars at it, but it's not great marketing will definitely, if you have a great product or service, and I'm, I'm assuming that people are listening to their, to, to this podcast do right. They, they, you, you teach them really well. I've, I've, I've heard your episodes before you've been on my podcast. I know you, I know, I know, I know how you are. Um, so I'm going to make the assumption that they have a great product. The people listening here, it great marketing helps a great product. Bad marketing kind of helps a great product. Like it's a great product. I'm just trying to show the great product matters more than the marketing. Great marketing on a bad product will speed up the rate at which you fail. So either great marketing will either speed up your success or speed up your failure rate. How so? How does it, how do I fail faster? Just because I'm throwing money at it, but it's not going to- You're throwing money at it and it's not going to work and you're just going to burn through all your cash and, and be out. Like it, 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 does, it doesn't even matter. Great marketing doesn't, doesn't fix the problem. So you're just, you're just going to throw, you're going to think you have the best marketing in the world. You're going to hire the best agency. You're going to do all that. You're going to throw all your money at the problem and, and think that's how you're going to build the brand and, and build the business, but you're just going to burn out really fast. So is the approach here to first validate it, validate the business, product market fit by getting successful organically through word of mouth. And then when I have that and I'm, I may be small, but my KPIs look really good. Now I go to pay-per-click. I go to digital marketing and I start spending real money and see if it scales. Yeah. If you have, if you have no budget, then yes. I mean, people sit there and like, we get asked this all the time. Hey, my budget's three thousand dollars. I'm like, okay, who's your audience? They're like, everyone in the United States. I'm like, and your budget's three thousand dollars. Like, cool. That that would be really good if we could hit everyone in the United States for three thousand dollars. Like, good luck. And 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 that's the and that's the problem. If you have a lot of money, paid media like isn't isn't the silver bullet. But why wouldn't you want to? Like, you could just fail a lot faster and figure out what wins. You could just test. It just allows you to test more. But if you have no budget. Then yes, your mom, your sister, your brother, your friend, all saying they love your product, they love what you're selling. Um, you know, I had friends when I, when I started when I started the clothing brand. I had friends that were like, man, I love this shirt. Can I have one? I'm like, well, would you pay for one? They're like, no, but I would take one for free. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this really isn't a good concept, right? That's not good for, like market fit. But like, you ha you kind of have to look at it, and you need a validated. The only way to do that though is to get people to to actually see your product. So if you didn't have money to spend on paid, paid ads, well, what can you do? You can do joint ventures, find someone who has the list of your ideal audience that you're looking for, but is, but, but does like, there's a big enough gap between you and that person 
So if you're selling t-shirts and they're selling pants, for example, that's a big gap, right? They don't have t-shirts and you don't have pants. Can you do some sort of joint venture where you get access to the list? What value can you bring them? And that's a very simplistic approach. I'm just, but I, I'm just trying to show, show an example, but that's the, that's the best way to start. I mean, go knock on doors, go into, go into stores, go into retailers, go into places like that, do consignment. In fact, if I have to start all over again and I want to start a clothing brand, I'd go into a store and sit there and say like a, a trendy store and sit there and say, Hey, can you carry this? And they'd be like, no, no, no. And I'd be like, look, I'm going to give you 10 pieces. You sell through the 10. I don't want any money. You keep a hundred percent of the sales. I don't even want any money back. But after you get those, after you sell out those 10, I'm going to come back and now we're going to make an order. And now I'm going to get paid like, like a wholesaler, but people don't want to do that anymore. Why, why would I, why would I give them a hundred percent of the profit? Why would I give them a hundred percent of the total sales? Now I'm out money. You're still out less money than you would be on a Facebook ad. First of all, you're out way less. Uh, but like, there's a long game approach. And I think people are so short term thinkers and looking for that latest track. They don't want to build building a brand. Kurt, as you know, takes time. Building a business takes time. And I think, um, I think that's where people, you know, make the biggest mistakes is when they try to short track things, then they slip. So we have to commit to the time to build it initially. We got to do it organically without shortcuts. I mean, we can't, you could can throw money at paid ads, but it, you're probably just burning that cash if you're doing it too soon. Get the fundamentals right, which will be proven by your KPIs. Put in the legwork. You're like, look, go into stores, sell the stuff, do the work, the hard work, uh, and then turn around. And now is when I want to spend money on ads and scale it. Is when I'm, I'm confident in it. But it's not like, it's not a shortcut. It's not a Band-Aid to a bad product market fit. And you think... So it sounds like a lot of the, the statements, uh, the sentiment about you know, Facebook ads are dead and no one buys online, and et cetera, is really, you think, uh, people looking for excuses or being shrill? Yeah. So so one is we're making this sound like the least sexiest podcast in the world because it's like, <laughs> it's like oh, wait, I got to listen to this and do work. I thought this guy was going to come in and give me a silver bullet. This is the least sexiest podcast. But I want, but if you have to know these foundations and principles in order to go brand. I'm sorry. Like any hack or strategy you lose will lose steam if you don't have any of this. But to answer your question, uh, yeah, it, it's it's really you 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 need all that you 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 need that you need that to get going and and i don't think it's facebook ads are dead it's your offer sucks like i'm sorry like no one oh no one's buying anything on on online anymore no no one's buying your product online right cuz we're making millions for our clients still and there are businesses that are still making millions on facebook ads the landscape changed the layouts changed. The rules of success may have changed. You may have to pivot in doing it, but you're not finding results because you're trying to play a game based off the old rules and expecting the old outcomes and you haven't adapted or you just haven't really been able to figure out how to get people to buy your product and you're hoping that it's going to be a bullet. And when you go in a silver bullet, when you go on Facebook ads and you run an ad and it doesn't work, you sit there and say, Facebook doesn't work. No. So what are the metrics that we should be looking at? Uh, from from a media buying standpoint, yes. So from a media sta buying standpoint, if you're running ads right now, um, you know, ROAS is kind of a is kind of a 
a metric that doesn't really make sense anymore. We have so much loss of reporting and loss of signal now. And I think that's going to get worse. Google moving towards a cookie-less web uh, in 2020. All that's going out the window. Attribution is all these tools that claim to solve attribution. No one solves attribution. There will never be a tool that solves attribution. It will never be 100% solved because until they figure out a way to measure word of mouth, and me taking a screenshot of an ad, sending it to Kurt, Kurt showing it to his wife, his wife going on, his or wife going on the website and then signing up to an email and then buying it. But then everyone says, oh, look, my email did a good job, right? Like until they could figure that out, you'll never have 100% attribution, won't work. Um, so so take that out of the equation. Um, I, think, I think one of the simplistic approaches is MER, which is how much money, how much percentage of your revenue are you spending on ad spend? I think that's a very easy way to look at things. Those numbers don't get tainted. There's no loss of signal there. Um, and as long as that makes sense for your business, right? Because you have other areas of your business that could dictate how much you want to spend on that. The higher brand recognition you have, the lower you need to spend, on, like the lower your MER will go, right? So if you're at like 25% of revenue, if you have a huge brand, you could fall all the way to like 18%, right? But then you could get more creative. You could, you could fall down to 9% even, the bigger your brand, because you don't have to pay to get people to know about your brand anymore. Um, and let's let's redefine for folks what MER is. So MER is, 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 is your marketing efficiency ratio. It's how much, it's how efficient are you with your advertising? So uh, what percentage of your revenue are you spending on advertising? Uh, some call it a blended ROAS. You know, if, if you're really heavy in paid media, AMER is a big one. So acquisition MER, because paid media's job is to bring in new customers. So if you're listening to this and you have a business and you have an agency and you go look at their what their account is right now and they're spending, you know, less than 60% on prospecting. And I think that number should be closer to 70 plus. If they're spending less than 60% and there's, there's nuances in all this, but roughly 60%, then you need to have a talk with them because their job isn't to bring in new uh, existing customers for you. Their job as a media buying agency is to bring in new customers for you. Old customers, you control, right? You have email, you have a bunch of different things that are in your control as a media buying, media buying is an acquisition. So then you have what's your new cost per acquisition, right? How much is it costing you to acquire a new customer into the funnel? Are you profitable? Um, I think LTV and RCR, so lifetime value and repeat customer rate are super important in e-commerce because that dictates whether you could actually lose money on acquisition. And people listening are like, why would I ever want to lose money on acquisition? Well, you could scale a lot more. So if, if Kurt and I are running the same, the same business, we both have the same, we both sell like, you know, toothpaste and Kurt needs a 3x return on his money and I need a 1x return. I could just outspend him. I could go, I could, I, I'll eat him for lunch. Like I'll just, I'll just take it out. And the reason why I could afford to do that is because I know that my, the back end of my selling system is so strong. I know that they're coming back in over a 30, 60, 90 day, even 12 month period. I know how much that customer is actually worth to me. So if, if I, if they're worth after 12 months to me, $500, why wouldn't I spend $200 to acquire a $100 customer? So what's your new cost per acquisition? What are your margins? What's your contribution margin? How much are you actually making per new, per, per new customer? Because if you're making a dollar per new customer, the answer is very simple, sell more units at a dollar profit. But so many people are sitting there saying, well, how do I drive down my acquisition costs? How do I do all that? No, sell more, sell more and, and figure out your margins. You could work on your margins. Margins are in your control. Yes, focus on 
what's within your control. A hundred percent. You trying to battle the platform and be like, okay, how do I lower the CPM? How do I get, how do I get my click-through rate just a little bit higher? How do I do all that? All great. All great things that you should be looking at after you fix what's in your control. Because if I could lower my, if I could get my margins from, from, you know, from 60 to 70%, (laughs) I don't even have to worry about the platform. I just made a ton more money. If I could get my conversion rate up from 1% to 1.5%, I made a ton of money. I'm not even worried about like, like it, it solves all the problems that you're experiencing in paid media. So again, what's in your control versus what's out of your control. This episode was brought to you by the team at Rewind, a trusted Shopify app since 2015. If you're a Shopify partner, join leading agencies like Milk Bottle Labs, Velstar, and Mac Digital Designs, and more in the Rewind Agency Partner Program. You can earn up to $2,000 for recommending Rewind to your clients, and you can rest easy knowing that the hard work you've done for your clients is protected. If you're a merchant, feel confident and enjoy peace of mind that your store is always safe with automated backups. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Learn more by looking up Rewind in the Shopify app store or visit rewind.com. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. All right, going back to our beginning and using your experience, Facebook ads are dead, true or false? False. People don't shop online post-pandemic. They blew all their money during, well, they, during lockdown and are now focused on purchasing uh, life experiences and and six dollar a gallon gasoline. <laughs> so those, those, you just you just change the whole dynamic of that question. False people are buying online. We sell millions of dollars through Facebook ads, which solves the first question in it. But the zeitgeist of what's going on is very real. You you raise really good points. I think as a business owner, you don't operate in a bubble, and you may think you operate in a bubble, but the truth is you have to operate in your customers' bubbles. And when you sell a $150 blank t-shirt, that's great when people were getting money printed for them and handed to them and low cost and cool. I could go buy this $5,000 you know, you know, TV and, and, and I could pay it off over time at, a, at a, this interest and I don't have to worry about it. And now they have to make real hard choices because the money ran out and there's a recession coming and inflation happened and a lot of different things. So it's not everything stopped working, right? It's never the case. You're never just running Facebook ads, la, 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 la. Things are good. I'm printing money. Everything's good. And oh my God, everything sucks, right? Like Facebook just broke. There's usually something a little bit more to it than that. And I think what's right now going on in the world is, is super simple. People really have to make choices. So yes, people are going to their, people are going shopping online. They're still clicking on ads. They're going to the site. They're adding to cart. And then they have to get, and then they get hit with a question. Should I really buy this? Like, do I really have to do this? Which is why you're seeing people still add to cart, right? But then right before they're clicking buy, they have to make that decision of being like, okay, I just added up my cart. Looks really good, but it's $400. Man, I don't know. Should I, I don't think I should spend $400 right now. And, so it's a and, question and, of consumer confidence? It's, it's con- I mean, we, we see right now, I mean, the Washington Post wrote, wrote a whole article about this, but consumer confidence is down and, and consumer buying is down and, 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 and everything's down right now. Um, and I think that's the case. And I think, I think the last few years have been really tough for businesses because a lot of businesses like to look at LY, like this year compared to LY and looking at year over year. But that's been the problem, right? Because when COVID happened and online boomed, you couldn't say, look at LY. Right. Because LY like was just nothing. And then all of a sudden you boom. So it was an unfair comparison. Then a year out of COVID, in, well, out of COVID, into COVID, whatever you want to call it, a year into COVID. 
right now we're now we're like 2021 2021 they want to compare 2021 to 2020 you can't because you have the covid boom in 2020 so you can't compare it right it just it's not a fair comparison and now you're in 2022 trying to compare it to ly 2020 uh 2021 and you still can't compare it because one you one is you had ios issues most people pulled their spend Instead, instead of trying to figure out how to do it. And at the right, at that time and the moment, it was probably the right move. But looking back, people should have continued spending. Um, but it's, you know, you, you can't. So it's a very unfair and it's very hard for businesses. And, and I am empathetic to that because they can't, they've had three years pretty much where they can't compare it to LY. So what are you comparing it to? And that's a very hard thing for business owners to kind of, to kind of rectify in their mind of like, well, I need to compare it to something. But you're comparing it to like, one, uh, a unicorn moment. Two, um, you know, the post-unicorn moment. And three, consumer behavior is is completely changed, right? People are, you know, if you're selling luxury goods, maybe you're okay because it's usually the upper class that isn't affected by a recession. It's usually the middle class and lower class. So if you're selling, you know, towards that, if that's your demo, yeah, it's it's it, it's it's tough and it's not your facebook ads sometimes it's not it's not your marketing sometimes it's not necessarily your product it's not that no one wants it it's that you also have to be empathetic to where people are and that's what i meant by don't operate the business out of your own bubble and understand what's going on in the world and how consumers are behaving like i got hit with a million linkedin messages the other day of, and it was the same message same message and and i've always found this fascinating that we market to people the way we hate being marketed to I, isn't that bizarre? Like so, it's like we no said, one likes spam, and exactly. yet I but still like, get spam. But, but we're like, but my stuff isn't spam. No, it's spam when they send it, but when I do it, everyone wants it, and it's, it's a like very, that George Carlin bit. My yeah. my stuff is stuff. Other people's stuff is shit. <laughs> exactly. It's it, and and that's a and that's a very it's a very weird thing, and that's what I mean by operating our bubbles, and that's why I think most of success when it comes to paid media, when it comes to marketing, really comes down to understanding your customer and how to craft an offer to them at the moment they're in, at the time that we're in, at the time of the whole taking factor, everything else that's going on in the world. That's where true magic happens. God, it is a beautiful line. That's that's where we're going to end it. That is so good. You, you put a bow on it. Uh, Jason Portnoy, where could people go to learn more about you? And what And what's the name of your podcast for us? Podcast is called Perfectly Mentored. Um, I would start with the with uh, with a great episode, the Kurt Elster episode. It's a really awesome episode. Um, yeah, no, Perfectly Mentored is the name of the podcast, and everything that 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 I have and knowledge or whatever is uh, jportnoy.com. You can find anything on there, um, and I'm I'm super super accessible across all social media channels. All right, now that we're we're at the end, the story I want to hear from you is uh, you got Gary Vaynerchuk on your podcast how did you manage this so uh, i don't know when this episode gets released but we're filming episode number two with gary vaynerchuk um next month so it will be gary on the podcast twice um the way i got it uh i was in a meeting uh with with um so andy Kranak, who's the president of v friends who was the head of team gary v we became friendly i was at vayner media uh, i know some of the people there and Gary was in a room and he was talking to a bunch of people and he was like, Hey, you should, everyone should start podcasts. Podcasts are big. And I'm like, cool. And they're like, I'm like, cool. Um, I'll start one. Will you be on it? And everyone looked at me like I was like, Oh my God, how could you ask that? And he's like, no. And I'm like, (laughs) 
but you told me to start a podcast and he said yeah i'm just real i'm really 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 busy and i said i didn't mean like right now we're not gonna film it right now but like in the future like when you're not busy it's around your schedule of course and he said yeah this year's kind of tough like we were close to the end of the year this year's kind of tough we're a lot going on i'm traveling a lot i said i said no problem we could do it next year and eventually he looked at me he's like you're not going to take no for an answer are you and I said, Gary, if you were mentoring me right now, would you tell me to take no for an answer? And he smiled and he said, okay, do 20 episodes and I'll come on. And true to his word, he, he actually ended up coming on. But the truth is, I've had a lot of really, really big name guests on it. High level people. High, high level people. And people ask me all the time how to get it. I never pay for any of them to come on. The one thing is I just ask. I, I ask and I'm very persistent. Uh, if they say no, I'm respectful. It's not like, cool. And then next day, will you come on? I'd find different ways to add value to them and, and make the relationship work. And sometimes it takes a year, like, like him or hate him. I'm not getting into it. Grant Cardone, for example, took a year and a half, like of, of conversations back and forth. Uh, but everything that's ever come that's good in my life and, and from business to ask to marrying my wife has come with asking. And I think most people don't ask enough. They don't ask for help. They don't ask for, they don't ask for what they want. They don't, they don't do enough asking and it's impossible in, in life. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you ask for. And that's why you see a lot of people who you look at and sit there and say, how'd they get this? I wish I had this, but you never asked for it. Um, and it doesn't mean you'll always get a yes, but that's where fortune is in the follow-up. But I mean, everything, everything starts with an ask, whether it's asking that person out, asking them to marry them, asking someone to buy your product or service, um, or asking someone to be on the podcast. The worst thing someone could say is no. And it, that's a pretty good cost risk analysis. No versus getting everything I want. Like a, a no and dealing with a rejection for 10 seconds or getting everything I want, I'll take that bet all the time. So that's pretty much that story on Gary. Jason Portnoy, thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. Privy is the fastest way to grow sales with email and SMS. You can build your list, save abandoned carts, send money making emails and texts, and more, all in one place. Plus, you'll get coaching and support from e-commerce experts no matter where you start. Privy is the number one rated sales app on Shopify and has helped merchants deliver over 7 billion in online sales. Join the thousands of merchants growing with Privy by signing up for a free 15-day trial today. Just head over to privy.com slash unofficial Shopify to get started. That's P-R-I-V-Y dot com slash unofficial Shopify.